Life comes with many changes. Some are expected, some are unexpected, some positive, some challenging. But you don't have to navigate them alone. There are people who care and want to help. You're in the right place because I'm here to connect you with them. What is your next step? Making choices that involve change can be difficult. Where can you find the resources who have answers for your questions? Our team of experts and professionals can help you make informed decisions with less stress to help you manage these changes in your life easier. You'll also meet people just like you who share their stories to encourage you not to give up. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thank you for joining me today on the Life Changes channel podcast, where we'll cover topics around life changes that you might be facing in your career and education, health, finances, relationships, parenting, aging, real estate, lifestyle, loss, and personal growth. This show started out as a Divorce Magazine Canada podcast, but so much of the content could also apply even if you aren't dealing with a divorce or separation. So now... It's Life Changes channel. There will still be lots of information to support you or someone you care about who is dealing with divorce or separation. I encourage you to go back and meet all the incredible guests in the earlier episodes. There is so much gold there. And hey, did you know we have a YouTube channel, a new Life Changes channel, and free magazines with articles from our team available across much of Alberta? as well as on our website, lifechangesmag.com. We also hold online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome. Check out the links in the show notes and be sure to join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. What about your career? Whether you are considering changing your career or you are looking to advance in your career or get back into work or leaving work in retirement, there are so many considerations to be made and it can be, it can be scary to be totally honest. My guest today is Anne Nakaska with Constructive Career and Life Designs and she is a, a career consultant and educator. She also will be sharing some of her experiences from her life and tell us about how that affected her career and her choices. Let's meet her now. Hi, Dina. Good to see you today. I am so excited that you're here. And I know I say that to every guest. I listen back to my podcast. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited you're here, whatever it might be. And it's because I am. I'm really, truly happy that so many people care about informing and supporting others out there who are struggling with some difficult transitions in their lives and, and are offering to share their expertise and their knowledge and insights to fill gaps in, in, you know, where people might be afraid, where they, the unknown is, is really, uh, you know, a dark hole and they don't know where to go. So what your expertise is, is an area that a lot of people don't necessarily consider will be affected or it isn't at the top of their priority list when they're looking at, uh, at this type of a change. So welcome, Anne, and thank you for being here and being a guest. Let's dig into who you are, your why for doing what you do, and how that serves people. 
Okay, lots of questions. Um, so thank you very much for inviting me to be here. I'm really excited. I've been um, considering, you know, uh, being a, sort of a part of the divorce industry for a long time. I've been involved for for a while, and uh, it's been a number of uh, different reasons. So when you talk about my why, I have personal and I have professional reasons for being here. So the the personal reasons are that. I went through a separation and reconciled with my husband. And then um, <clears throat> I kind of, we ticked along quite well for a couple of years. And then I hit, you know, some more road, you know, the bumpy, you know, years of, of marriage and, um, and we're considering separating again. And during that time, I just, I remember how many nights I spent awake uh, worrying about like, how am I going to support myself as a stay at home mom? Uh, I was working on getting my bachelor's degree, but I wasn't finished. I was only partway through. How am I going to support my kids? Um, what am I going to do about retirement? Cause we're going to be um, splitting whatever we have in half. And so then there's a lot less and, and can I afford, you know, a house, all, all of those things. Um, and how my decisions were going to impact the children. That was a big part. We have three kids. So lots of personal reasons and, you know, it's scary. It was um, scary not having been in the workforce for a while. I'd done a lot of volunteer work, but um, nothing, no paid employment for a long time. Um, I knew I had a lot of uh, a good other educational background and stuff, but I, I was transitioning out of business and accounting and moving into more sort of psychology <clears throat> and just sort of wasn't really ready for that. So it was very anxiety producing, a lot of fear there. Uh, so that's the personal side. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of other parents out there, who, you know, stay at home parents, both men and women um, who, you know, they face those same things, but there's other things as well. Um, then on the professional side, uh, being in career development, uh, what I noticed is so career uh, practitioners, we go by lots of different names, which can be very confusing for people who are trying to find services <laughs> uh, in the career development field. And we're different than recruiters and we're different than HR people. And so people don't always understand other than career counselors in high school, kind of what we do and how we serve the public. Uh, so uh, being in the field of career development, we help people transition in their different career changes. So we help people, uh, career practitioners and career counselors in the schools, help people move from high school into the workforce or to post-secondary. Uh, at the end of post-secondary, we help people transition into the world of work. When people are in the world of work, we help them transition from one career to another kind of career. Um, and we even have career practitioners who help people transition from the work world into the retirement world. So our work is all around transition. And yet divorce is one of like the biggest personal transitions that you'll go through in your life. And yet we talk about, we rarely ever talk about divorce um, because the people who are going through divorce are kind of hidden in other areas. Like they're, they go back to university and, and maybe upgrade some skills or something. So they're they're kind of included with all the people we serve but there isn't a lot of talk about how we can help best help people going through divorce 
So on a professional side, I started um, interviewing people. And uh, when I was working with my clients, asking them a lot of questions about what did they need from us moving forward? So I've presented on post-divorce career decision-making to um, people in my field as well to help them understand what is the difference and what extra help and support do people going through divorce need? How is that different than when we just help someone who is uh, deciding they want to get out of business and go into psychology or something in their in their career? So you know that's my why. It's um, it is both personal and professional, and um, and I really want to help. Uh, this sector and the people who are experiencing divorce, because there's such a huge impact, not just for them, but on their children as well. So, so that's it. Not in a I, nutshell, but <laughs> no, I, I think that. that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Anne, for sharing that because it, it speaks to the experience that you have. So when you are talking with someone, you've been there, it's everybody's position in that is unique, but you, you do come from a place of, of understanding that you've been there. And I thank you as well for being part of our panel for the divorce symposium that we just had on Tuesday. And I think that was really amazing. And I would like to now dig a little deeper into what is the difference for people when they're going through a divorce versus a career change when that isn't part of the picture. Right. Uh, so I would have to say, number one, a big part uh, for people going through the divorce transition versus other careers and other careers will have aspects of this. But I find with divorce, it tends to be a lot more emotionally loaded. So an area that we um, have started to talk a little bit more, um, people are starting in our field to do some work around this. And this is the area of grief. Uh, so Catherine Heigel in uh, Vancouver, she does amazing work and she's done a lot of work with um, trauma as well um, in, in uh, people's lives and how that impacts and how uh, oftentimes people going through divorce transitions can also be experiencing grief. So uh, what I like about the grief conversation is that, um, first of all, culturally, um, different cultures have different ways of helping people transition through the grief process. And we normally think of grief as when somebody dies, but in actual fact, we experience grief and the feelings of grief um, whenever we have great loss. And it doesn't have to be about losing somebody. It can be about intangibles, losing that dream. So I know I've talked with people going through divorce and they talk about, well, I thought of was gonna you know raise my grandchildren together with this person or I thought we were going to we got a divorce uh you know we talk about grand silver divorce for those over you know plus 50 um I thought you know we were going to ride out in the sunset together we had all these you know uh post-retirement plans together so it can be like the loss of dreams um it can be the loss of a lifestyle it can be the loss of the family home uh loss of friends and families I know I've talked with other people who've gone through divorce. And, um, and this was part of my um, professional, um, <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure of the word. Um, I wanted to make sure I understood the process and what people needed. 
So I, I not only worked with people uh, going through post-divorce, but I also interviewed a bunch of people. And I found when I was talking with people and I interviewed them, I specifically asked them about, you know, what were their losses and stuff. And I remember a lot of people telling me, you know, I lost all my friends. When I, for, when I married, you know, this person, um, we ended up spending all our time with their friends. So, you know, it can be loss of friends. It can be loss of, you know, family members. Uh, you can be really close with some of your in-laws and then, you know, you don't get to have those relationships anymore. Children can lose their grandparents. Like there can be a lot of loss and, uh, and grief. And oftentimes it's not addressed. A lot of times people don't understand that they're going through the grief process. So I know in the divorce symposium, I, um, I talked a lot about um, part of that time. I found it very hard to get out of bed and, and go to work and stuff. When, when people lose someone like, you know, if your mother or your father or your spouse dies or you lose a child, um, people tend to be a little bit more uh, sympathetic. You know, they understand that loss and that grief you're experiencing, you know, and in some cultures we're black for a year so that people know that we're going through the experience. And so people understand if we act a little bit off or we're very reserved or we're not reaching out, you understand the reasons why. So oftentimes there's cultural sort of signals that say these people are hurting, they need help. Right. We don't have that when people are going through divorce. So there's this big chunk of, you know, people are going through grief. And part of that too is um, we don't talk enough about the initiator and the person who's left behind. Because uh, what I find is we lump everybody together. We do research around people going through divorce and we say, oh, well, not everybody experiences that or not every experiences this. And I'm thinking, uh, I think a big part of that is because we're not distinguishing who is the person initiating the divorce and who's the person left behind. Because um, <clears throat> oftentimes the person who is initiating, they did a lot of their grieving in the marriage. Mm -hmm. And so then, and they started planting seeds in their, you know, in their lives of how they want to move forward. And so then what happens is sometimes that person who's left behind is very surprised. So what will happen is there can be an imbalance for the two people when they're going through the divorce process. So you've got somebody who's ready to move on with their lives and ready to move forward and, and they're ready to go and they have all this energy and the other people are just, they're in grief. And when you're in grief, maybe that's not the best time to be making major decisions about money and, and where you're going to live and, and all of those things. So grief is a big piece. And then um, that, so there's all those feelings that people are dealing with. And then what I find when I'm working with divorce clients in the two weeks, you know, or however long it is between our meetings, I find all this stuff I don't know what drama I don't know what else to really call it way more stuff happens in people's lives when they're going through divorce than a usual career transition and so then what happens is um, oftentimes our sessions are spent with the first half of the session where people are just going and then he did this and then the kids came over and he was you know saying this or that or she did this and 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 now that they're demanding this in the divorce and so they're like their heads are like just all over the place. And it's like, so how are you, how are we supposed to be sitting down and having a conversation about where we want to take your career and, and have you done research on job postings and, 
And how should we be working with your LinkedIn profile and social media? And it's like, that's pretty overwhelming. So usually it's just this big emotional dump. And then how I help people move forward with that is we really focus on um, a lot of, um, I use William Bridges' work in uh, managing transitions. I find very helpful. He talks about um, old life, the, he calls it the neutral zone and then new life. So then we can start focusing away from all of this stuff that sucks you into your old life. Like you don't get to belong to your old life anymore. Like once you're going through that um, transition, um, you know, sometimes like in our cases, you, you know, you reconcile that doesn't always happen. And so, and, and even if you do, things are different. It's not the same as things were before. So you don't ever get to walk back to that. And yet people are always trying to suck you back with all this, you know, the, the old things in the relationship. So what is helpful for clients is moving them forward to start thinking even in very small pieces, you know, how can we move you forward? So instead of thinking about that, all that stuff, how do you start focusing on your new life? So you can be excited about where you're going what you're going to be doing and moving forward. Cause I know when I was the initiator in the divorce, I was looking really looking forward to my future. I know when my husband was the initiator and it looked like he might leave after we had gotten back together and there was no way I was going through that again. Um, <clears throat> uh, I found it very hard and that's kind of one of my, sayings it's very hard to run towards a future that you don't want so how do we do that right how do we do that you know trying to help a client who's trying to navigate all of this stuff so sometimes it can just be something really simple so that they start to think about their interests again what uh, so questions I might ask is what did you like to do that you gave up when you got married like maybe you loved skiing, but your partner just hated skiing and uh, you did something different during the winter. So you just didn't ski anymore. Right. Uh, so even thinking about something like that, because maybe when you start thinking about your career decision moving forward, maybe you'll go, you know what? I don't know um, with my accounting background, if I want to work in the tax field, because I would be missing ski season if I work in that field. Right. So then we start to really think about what do you want in your life? What's important, not just for your work, but what are your interests? Because sometimes when I'm working with people and we we start talking about their past interests, what we find is there's something they could take um, from their work. So I have an accounting background a long time ago in business. Um, maybe what I could have done when I went through um, <clears throat> my own separation and stuff is I could have thought about how could how could I maybe work in the travel industry? Because I love the travel industry. Like maybe I could have done accounting in the travel industry or maybe I could have added it, you know, to new home builds or uh, something else I was really interested in. So starting to get people to look at, you know, their interests, um, get some adding those things into their life. And then that starts to bring joy. And the more joy that we start bringing into our life, then, right, it's easier to move forward to that new life. So it's really helping people transition from the old life into the new life. And 
to go along with the piece on grief that I talked about is, and this is why I think it's really important, especially unnecessarily dragging out a divorce. Like a divorce, the process takes a certain amount of time, but the unnecessary dragging things out. What happens is, is that when you're in that transition zone, um, Carol Vecchio, who has another transition model, she talked about, you know, it's kind of, you were holding on to one trapeze and then you're about to grab onto the other one, but there is a moment in time where you're not holding anything. And that's what that neutral zone can feel like. For me, it felt like stepping off a cliff and I didn't know how far, and it was foggy. I don't know how far I'm gonna fall. Like, am I just gonna step and there's gonna be a, like a short little step and I'm gonna be okay? Or is it gonna be like a big long fall and, and I'm gonna be really broken at the bottom? Um, some people describe it like a washing machine, you know? Um, things look like they're all settled out and then the spin cycle starts again because something else has come up. And it's that uncertainty that makes that transition time so hard. But if people understand they're in the transition zone, then they can understand why it feels as not good as it does. There's, wow, there is so much value in all of this. And I want to unpack this. Sure. A little. I really strongly agree with the differences that you've mentioned so far. Grief is definitely a factor. And I've heard from a mediator that I've had on the show, uh, Wes Thiessen, he mentioned even our tears chemically are different for different types of loss. Wow. And the chemicals help us process in a different way. So grief with a death, it's final. And those tears heal us in a different way than when uh, it's say a divorce. That's more of a, it's a loss, but you know, maybe it could work or you're blaming yourself, whatever it might be. There's actually a chemical difference in our tears. So if we are made that basically uh, different in how we process grief, that our body produces different chemicals than in our own minds to understand that grief is, is different. And if we can understand that and accept this is over and see it in that way, this is over. Maybe it's the career change. Maybe we've been fired or we've chosen to left, leave a job and find something better. Letting it go with in that mindset actually affects us on a chemical level, but I think it's so healthy if we can also process it that way that it's, it is over, let's move on and acknowledge it. So not only the person that's being left behind has a different type of grief than someone who's had some time in the marriage or in the relationship to start processing and planting those seeds. They're coming, they are coming from different places, but a lot of times I think people don't give themselves that space and acknowledge that there is grief and mm -hmm. to allow themselves the space to heal, to move on and to really realistically say, is it over? This is done. Yes. Next step. Let's go. Let's reach for that next trapeze handle. Let's there's hope there's yeah. brightness. And what I love yeah. is that you offer some of that to people. And I think a lot of times those 
top fears that I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation is around finance. There's a lot of fear. What am I going to, where am I going to live? How am I going to support my kids that I'm now single parent income, whatever that might be. If they really dial that down, they're going to notice that it has a lot to do with their current career path or where they are creating that Mm -hmm. income and that there are options and it is fear that maybe has them stuck in a space where they feel there's no other, it's too risky. There's no other choices, you know, don't dare make any changes now on top of these other major changes. And I think it's really valid that you've mentioned also the reduction of time of these transitions. Don't let fear lock them into allowing that to be over with so they can, they can go move on, make some other choices. And uh, I really like some of the examples that you've shared when we've, when we've talked before about, you know, maybe people can consider supporting their, their partner that is leaving the situation. They might be able to help them transition to a better position that will benefit both parties financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, could that be part of that process is in order for me to create higher income to support my family and depend on you less once we're apart, would you be able to assist me to gain an education in a field where I could go? The other thing I'm, I'm really impressed that you mentioned as well is that whole drama that they get stuck in and that, you know, you need to get out of that and start back to what, what were some things you loved? What are some dreams you've had? You know, as an empowerment coach, I do a lot of that work with people is getting them to revisit that. So I'm so happy that you mentioned it and it, mm-hmm. you know, they don't need to, it has to, it doesn't need to be career focused. Start mm-hmm. to really explore, you know, who was I, what did I like? What are some things I've maybe discovered but it wasn't as a couple that we were going to do. And then that will then open their minds to how can they support doing that? So like your example. Yeah, absolutely. What I find, yeah, what I find too, is that most people, um, the vast majority of people don't have a career plan. (laughs) That's just, just, um, they tend to do job search. It's like, okay, well, I don't like this job. So then they go look for another job. And, and that's, it's very different than, uh, than the work that I do, but you touched on a couple of things and, um, and so I'm, I don't want us to miss them. So one of them is, um, I think it's important to have the the conversation around grief and an, and a better understanding with grief when we talk about divorce, um, because I like I find that physiological information that you shared about the tears very interesting, because how I share it with people is I say there is a difference and and so I'm just I'm going to put out a like a whole lot of disclaimers. First of all, I'm not a counselor. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. A lot of what I talk about has been through personal learning and personal growth. It, it, it is not, it is not from a professional place. It is from a personal place. Um, <clears throat> and so like, um, I just, I want people to think about it and then go get the professional help they need around this, this issue. Cause, cause grief and depression are not like, that's not my specialty. Um, but I want us to start the conversation so that people start to, to differentiate. Um, I believe that, what happens is oftentimes grief feels like depression. 
Certainly yes. it has in my case, but, but you deal with depression differently than you deal with grief. Like grief, you have to walk through it and feel it and experience it. And depression, there's like a whole, that's a whole nother ball game about how you deal and work through depression. So um, the reason that I bring up the grief piece is because if people can work through their grief, um, and I happen to have a conversation with somebody, and I bring this up um, because I had a conversation with somebody on mental health day. They reached out and they called me because they needed to talk. And they said, and this is, this was a personal friend. And they said, you know, like, I'm not handling this big life change really well. And it wasn't a divorce. It was a different life change. And, uh, and, um, you know, let her talk. And then I said, well, I'm not really surprised because, and she goes, well, like, like why? And I said, well, think about all the losses that you went through. You did this big move, but it included because you made the move, you made career changes as well. Like, so you're not around your family anymore. You're not living in the same house. Like, like, and I listed off all the changes and I said, like, that's grief. And so, you know, have you had a chance to actually feel all that loss so that you can start to accept, you know, and embrace and enjoy what this new life has to offer? And it was just like a big light bulb moment. I was like, oh, and so then that's what happened. And then the next time that I talked to her, she was like feeling like way better. And, and so that to me, like, that's a big difference between grief and depression. Like when we aren't acknowledging those losses, um, that it just, it's like this big weight over us. And lots of times we know there's something there, but we can't put our finger on it. But when you start to talk about grief and say, what are all the things that you've lost because of this change? When people start adding up all the losses, there it's usually a lot. I mean, my husband and I, when we separated, we tried. I lived in a rental home like three blocks away from our, our house. I came in and I was there like with the kids after school, still in our in our um, marital home um, and made supper for everyone because um, my husband at that time wasn't coping really well. And then I went and was at my place and we were close enough that the kids could go back and forth close to their friends, the school there was still, oh, like it was still like a lot. And I'm thinking we didn't even make all those changes that other people make where, you know, somebody moves across the country or somebody wants to take the kids to another country or like there's like way bigger losses. So, so that's kind of one piece that whole grief and depression. Um, but I like what you talked about in could we start having a conversation about how we can set everybody up from, for success? So I remember my sister-in-law asked for half of the, the marital property, um, you know, which she was entitled to. They've been married for a long time. And then she asked for only five years of support. She was entitled to a lot more. So this was the initial separation agreement. Um, she asked for five years um, at an amount that she knew that she needed to get by on. So it wasn't even the amount that she was actually entitled to. And the important piece was she asked for that amount because, and, and that five years, cause she said, that's what I'm going to need to, because she'd been a stay at home mom, but she was just finishing off a university education. That's what she knew she was going to need it so that she would be standing financially independent on her own. And I think, how many more people would, you know, not sort of 
fight the whole, you know, what we're paying out and everything else, if it was, you know, a transitionary thing. For this point in time, this is what we're going to do. Then this point in time, this is what we're going to do. And then that's what we're going to do after this length of time. So that it helped people, like you said, transition into, you know, where both people are successful, stand on their own two feet independently. And also thinking about the, the children's careers too, because, um, you know, uh, what is going to happen with the kids? Um <clears throat> Uh, should people live in the in the matrimonial home for a marital home for like two more years so that children can finish off their high school so they don't have to change? Like, like there's a lot of sort of do we have to have one agreement for just like everything right now? <laughs> you know, and 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 that's not my field of expertise, but I don't hear a lot of those kind of discussions. It's usually, you know, they want all of this support. They want it for, you know, this many years. And, um, but things, other things in the people's lives are changing during that time. Right. So, um, and, and like you said, you know, if it's somebody who's a stay at home parent, you know, could we help them transition them with more training? And, and what I know from being a stay at home parent, my recommendation would even be, can we transition them to part-time and volunteer work? Because the other piece too, that we, you know, tend to forget about is children, even though they're in school, still need their parents a lot. And so just this, we're both going to work full time and um, <clears throat> children have PD days, children are sick, children are, which means that both parents have to have some kind of flexibility in their work. Yes. I think that's really important. Those, and those conversations, Anne, are <coughs> going to make a big difference, especially when we can include people from as many of the areas that are affected in people's lives, anyone with their, you know, the legal, with that expertise, the, the financial, their real estate, the parenting, as broad a, a group as we can uh, have together around that. And I'm excited because I'm actually going to, I'm planning to do another forum in the spring and allow others to, to do all of that um, in that conversation. I see <laughs> you've muted yourself. I did that just earlier. I was choking on my chai tea. <laughs> now, now you're choking on your water. Um, I love having these conversations because we then get to learn from each other so that we can help support people better. You're coming at it from your expertise in the career uh, development, career transition. And then if you understand what they might need when they go see their lawyer or their divorce coach or their mediator and some of the information that is important, it becomes a team. And you have a team then of people that can support through all of this instead of not even knowing where to turn and and each each expert is is individually trying to support and it, it it can work but i think it can happen smoother quicker less drama and with better outcomes get people to pass that limbo stage that spot between the two trapeze handles and and help get them to move on now another area <clears throat> pardon me 
that I want to touch on. Uh, I want to have you back. So we're going to, we're going to get to cover even more. The age group, it's not with the highest divorce rate, but it's the fastest growing group that is experiencing divorce. And that is the older, the older generations. It's called gray divorce. And for many of them, they have been with this partner, we'll say, uh, typically for a very long time. And they are, you know, the finances maybe aren't there that would be enough to support them. And as they age, they've got different types of maybe medical expenses, living expenses, they need some some assistance, whatever that picture might look like. It's really terrifying to think, well, how am I going to support myself? How am I going to bring in a little extra money? And that is another demographic that could use the support of someone like yourself who can help them figure out a career path and explore. It's maybe been 40 or 50 years since they thought about what they could do. The The workforce has changed. The The needs, the job situation has changed. What's out there? What training do they need? There's maybe a lot of technology involved. How can they come up to speed and explore and know what's out there in their careers? So, you know, I think it's really important that we speak to that as well and and what we can do to help support people who are in that stage of their lives do you have clients that that you see in that area um yes i do um uh, i see a lot of people um i have seen people going through divorce who've um, been stay-at-home people i did a workshop i had a woman um you know so here's an example of that I had a woman in a workshop who said, um, my husband traveled with his work. He traveled uh, throughout the States. <clears throat> she, he had a visa. She didn't. So she wasn't, she wasn't able to work. Um, but she did a lot of stuff with the kids. And then uh, they reached their fifties. And then he said, you know, goodbye. So after all of this, you know, supporting him and his career and looking after the kids. And then he left. Well, you know, there was a, there was a lot of anger there. <clears throat> and, and this is a big change because if you've been doing all of this stuff, uh, you know, in terms of um, child support uh, or like, you know, supporting the children in what they do. And then um, all of a sudden, you know, you, you feel like you've given all of this stuff and put your career on hold for somebody else and then they leave you you know you really don't feel very appreciated <clears throat> and if that person doesn't appreciate you then will the workplace appreciate you right what what also doesn't help so i'm going to share a little bit about some of the obstacles that people who are going through gray and silver divorce uh, face because i think it's really realistic to look at um ageism is a real thing <clears throat> and before it was sort of plus 50 workers, um, plus 50 workers were, um, you know, some oftentimes passed over, uh, people made, you know, will make assumptions like, uh, plus 50 workers. Well, they don't know tech as well. Well, it really depends on the person. Some people do, do know a lot about tech and others don't. So, um, you know, there's these generalizations, um, <clears throat> 
the the people who were uh, who've worked for companies for a long, long time. Sometimes they're still working at the same company they started at um, in that generation, uh, <clears throat> and and they're they think that they're going to uh, get to ride out all their later years, and uh, then the company lets them go at like sixty. So now it's like, oh my goodness, now I have to look for other work and how do I do that? And, um, and it's harder to get hired when you had, you know, higher level management positions and a large salary because people don't necessarily want to pay you that when they could get somebody younger with a little bit less experience, pay them less. So just the whole, just the age thing is, can be an issue. Um, another thing uh, that I often hear is people will say, well, I have a degree from, you know, X, Y, Z year and HR is not looking at that. They're not accepting that I have this education. So there's just lots of issues just for the age group alone. And then you throw in a divorce on top of that, then yeah, it can be pretty overwhelming. So, uh, so there are some things that I think are really important. One is the person who has to believe in you and your skills is not the employer, it's you. Number one, if you, if you buy in to that your education is no longer relevant, um, because I look at, for me personally, because I have a lot of education starting back from 1976 to, because I fall in this age group. Uh, so I have, uh, education from back from 1976 all the way to when I got my master's degree later on. Um, you can't tell me that what I learned at SAIT when I did my business diploma is no longer relevant. I mean, you know, technology wise and computer wise, I mean, the computer science course I took had punch cards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate to say I'm that old, but I am. Uh, <clears throat> So that piece might be irrelevant, but I've done other courses since, and and I can always be trained. Like that's the other thing education shows. You know, if you've been trained, you can still be trained. Um, <clears throat> so if I don't say, well, that business experience is relevant, because the reality is, is that um, you know I do career development now, and that is not business and accounting, which I trained for years ago. But when I talk to accountants, that information is still relevant. When I talk to people who are in business, that's still relevant. When I talk about um, industry and understanding industry, my business background all helps with that. So to take away and say my education from back from, you know, whenever is no longer relevant and doesn't count, you know, I kind of call a little bit of BS on that. So, uh, but we have to you know, people in our age group have to say, you know, I, I'm not going to go along with that. My education does count. If I have to do some upgrading, then I have to do some upgrading, but um, you can't take a four-year degree away from me. And, and I hear that a lot. You know, it's like, oh, well, you have a BA in English, you know, that's 20 years old. Well, we don't want you to put anything on your resume that's older than, you know, 10 years or whatever. And <clears throat> I think it depends on what you want to be doing. Because oftentimes people have uh, done other things in their volunteer work or other areas of their life, other projects, 
that have been using those skills. And so if you can create this complete picture that you can present on your resume or on your LinkedIn profile, then uh, you're much more likely to, you know, get hired and, and stuff, but you have to believe in yourself first. So that's just like number one. Um, I think it's really important to uh, give ourselves credit for unpaid work. I did a lot of volunteer work, lots of leadership positions. Um, all of that counts on your resume. And it's important to find somebody uh, in career development who can help you highlight all of that. Uh, so that you can position yourself for, you know, another, another position. The other thing too, is, you know, you talk about, well, what do you do in terms of income and all of those things? So we, we don't want people living, you know, with very little income and, you know, and, um, and needing lots of extra financial supports and stuff. So, so what can we do? So one of the things that we can do is, um, think about are there other are there other sort of contract or part-time work opportunities that you could do that um, could supplement your income because you know and I know that when people split up the money it took for one income if now you have to split it now you have two households to support and um, and that takes a lot more money right <clears throat> it just does so now, now both people have less. So then how do you make up the difference? Uh, one of the people that I know, um, she just happened to be, it was like November, I think. She was at her favorite clothing store. She'd been with, out with her sisters. And uh, as she was leaving, she made a comment about, oh, you know, like, I just love these clothes so much. I could work here. The manager of the store, literally, this is somebody who, you know, is a single mom and stuff. The manager of the store literally ran out of the store and said, were you serious about that? Because I need help because it's the Christmas season and I need help a couple of days a week for part-time hours. And so she took a job with her, one of her favorite retailers, part-time. It wasn't a conflict with her regular job. And, um, and she benefited in two ways. One, she got paid for the hours that she worked. And two, she got a discount on the clothes she normally buys anyway. And so this was it was just a win-win situation for both the employer and, and for her as well. She used that money to be able to afford to go on vacation, to take her son on a vacation as a single mom. So there are these opportunities all over the place to you know, earn that little bit of extra income. When I lay awake at night thinking about what would I do, I thought I need to buy a house where um, it has the proper zoning and I could rent it out. And I even thought about things like, well, I don't know that I want to share it. This is a terrible thing to say. <laughs> it's very territorial. I don't know if I want to share the backyard with my, you know, with the renter and my kids and everything. And then I thought, well, if I rented to students who rented from September to April, that would be perfect. And for me, being an you know uh, someone a little bit older, if I rented to somebody who was, you know, an older, mature student going to school, that would probably be a really good fit versus you know a young person who might want to party or whatever. And so I started thinking about these ways. So this was even personally myself thinking about how could I make this transition easier. 
Um, and the other thing is too, is um, we need, so this is kind of just a general thing that we need to start talking about. We need better financial literacy skills in the schools, like just starting from younger so that people understand what all of this costs. Like whether it's education, whether it's what career I have and can I support a family later on, but we need to have a money, a much bigger money conversation to, to help people, you know, with all of that. How much is it going to cost for me to retire so that we start thinking about that sooner rather than later? Um, all of those things. And I don't think that we get enough skills in, in all of that. So um, certainly, and I know um, attending the divorce symposium in the past, we've had financial people you know, as, as part of that, I think that's a really important part of the conversation. I'm not a finance person, but I can talk about the gig economy and, um, and finding little contract, uh, contract work for you to do. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes people think that, oh, well, it's just, you know, like, you know, driving pizza and I don't want to be, I don't want people to see me out in my neighborhood delivering pizza or whatever and stuff. Um, but I have a couple of other ideas as well that people can think about. And again, a disclaimer, anytime you are going to look at any of these options, um, you're responsible for doing your due diligence, like doing a lot of research and, and a lot of homework. So if you say, well, Anne told me to do this, it's like, and it doesn't go well. You know, if you take over a business and it fails, that's not necessarily all on me because I made this suggestion. So just, I want to, I want to put that out there. Um, <clears throat> so uh, some of the things that, you know, that people can look at, especially when they're older, um, are things are starting their own business, um, a franchise. Um, there is a lot of companies who are people who are older than you want to get out of their business and are looking for people to take over their business. So those are other options. If you have a little bit more money set aside or whatever. Um, but there's other things too, where we don't always think about what do we offer professionally that we could contract out to. So when I was working in oil and gas years and years ago, I was a joint venture auditor. <clears throat> I uh, had my first baby and Matt leave back then was, I think, like three months, maybe six months top. I was not ready to go back to work and leave my son. But I knew that oftentimes we got audits that weren't in the schedule. And so then we would have to do this whole big reorganization and rescheduling to make sure we could fit in these emergency audits. And so I just went back to my employer and I said, you know, I don't necessarily want to come back full time from my Matt leave but would you consider hiring me on a contract basis? So sometimes working in a gig economy, I know like, like that's how some people think about it. It's, you know, like, you know, driving an Uber or whatever, but I think of it as also these contract pieces where um, there's little places in every industry where they need people to do X and you have the skills to, to fill that in. Um, <clears throat> but there's other, there's a real basic skill that a lot of people have that they don't appreciate um, how much it contributes to industry. And that is something as simple as having your driver's license. There are wow. so many driving jobs out there. Um, I, I think last I heard again, we're short on school bus drivers again. Um, and this isn't just for people going through gray and silver divorce, but also like young people 
um, who are, you know, single parents who are trying to raise their kids, you can actually take the kids on the bus with you um, as the driver. And, um, you know, so that's, that's another way to start back into the workforce and stuff or earn extra, uh, extra income. Um, <clears throat> so there's all these little things that we can be doing to uh, supplement the income. Um, look at investments, you know, are, are you the kind of person who you never really invested anything because your partner did it all? So do you need to educate yourself on that so that you understand how you can grow your retirement income uh, you know, more. And again, full disclaimer, like I'm not a financial person, go, go see a financial person about this, but, but there's, you know, lots of different ways, how you invest your money in your, um, in your real estate for where you're going to live. Um, I remember my sister-in-law was looking at, um, a small buy level, um, but she just didn't want yard work and everything else. So she ended up buying a condo had she bought the buy level and not the condo after the 15 years, now she, she passed away, but um, had she made just even that one decision, she would have ended up with several hundred thousand dollars more in her real estate value than. And so I kind of look at it, you know, when we talk about this abundance and when you talk about all these people that we need to support ourselves, it's like career development and the career piece is one part, but then there's all the other piece. And so it's about, you know, growing wealth and, and, um, and helping everybody become sort of richer in the process. So, and so it's not just me, but, but going and seeking out advice from other people as well. I think that's a really amazing spot to end on and and I love the holistic approach that you're suggesting people you know navigate this with and not just being afraid to seek that information and that support and I think I'd like to wrap up and leave people with the notion that we've talked about before and a mindset of abundance that there is so much out there available for them they're worthy of it they aren't alone and others really want to help them succeed there's there's more than mm -hmm. one way to do that and it's not just you know if if you do better that someone you are taking from the ability for someone else to do just as well so there's there's a lot of abundance and to use that mindset when they approach all of this absolutely um, I'd like to share one little story that yes, just really do. highlights that. I know when I was talking um, and interviewing people who'd been through divorce and how it impacted their careers and their lives and stuff, um, one of the women had said, <clears throat> she had a picture and she said, um, I, you know, I keep this picture because it reminds me that um, <clears throat> had I never divorced my husband because he didn't like to travel I would have never, ever gone on the trip, this trip and done this. And so what she was able to recognize is that there were things that she had in her life because of the divorce. And, and I think that's an important piece to think about that. Yes, there can be other things that we never dreamed of and our life can look very different. Maybe it's not going to turn out and look like how we thought, but there can be a lot of aspects that are, you know, so much better and richer than we would have ever imagined. Thank you for sharing that story. 
And I look forward to having you back again. Thank you very much for having me, Dima. Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or a suggestion for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through whatever life changes you're facing. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com. The link is in the show notes. Our disclaimer, Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine and Channel and Divorce Resource Groups are intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine, Life Changes Channel, as well as the Divorce Resource Groups, do not constitute endorsements for, nor liability, for any claims made in the presenting of this information.